सो द क्वेश्चन इज डिवोशनल सर्विस हैज टू बी डन इन परफेक्ट नॉलेज बट डज इन परफेक्ट नॉलेज कम विद डिवोशनल सर्विस अलोन नॉलेज इज ऑलवेज द फर्स्ट एंड देन कम डिवोशनल सर्विस दंसर इज डिवोशनल सर्विस हैपन्स ओनली इफ नॉलेज एग्जिस्ट what happens is this knowledge that we are talking about is the satvik kind of knowledge this is a knowledge which will lead us towards god a tamasic knowledge is that kind of a knowledge which will tell you in the material world how to go about say going to some places like you know temples and all and demanding for things rajasik is all again about uh, taking your big list of things तामसिक अगेन इफ यू हैव सीन दिस ताइपूसम एंड ऑल दोज काइंड ऑफ यू नो फेस्टिवल्स पीपल पुट ऑल दोज हुक्स एंड नेल्स एंड स्पीयर्स एंड गॉड नोज वॉट ऑल थिंग्स दैट इज अ काइंड ऑफ थिंग दैट दे हैव टेकन द पाथ नाउ वी कम टू द सात्विक द सात्विक नॉलेज इज दैट विच इज अबाउट हाउ टू अप्रोच गॉड इन इन द भक्ति मार्ग now if that is not there first and foremost the idea about god doesn't exist in the normal human being he is brought to the idea of god by somebody who has you know maybe his parents or grandparents or whoever or priests or and then this mundane knowledge takes him towards bhakti marg which in turn will take him towards devotional service so that is the reason why perfect knowledge will only come after devotional service is there now this is for the devotee but in ancient times there were people who followed the idea about knowledge and that mark was the first mark that we have done in the bhagavad gita also that is sankhya yoga as we call it so in sankhya yoga devotional service is very very minimal but in devotional service sankhya yoga would be minimal but the knowledge comes in once you have reached the state of enlightenment knowledge will come on its own that is why if you follow the steps now you will understand so the mundane knowledge then you can reach towards the supreme knowledge mundane knowledge to devotional service then to supreme knowledge so that path is there so whichever way you follow it but mundane knowledge is important without it you will not be able to approach god all right so yesterday where did we stop 10 number no so now we are doing canto 3 chapter 28 text 11 that is yesterday we were uh, talking about pranayam right so now we will continue with the pranayam by practicing the process of pranayam one can eradicate the contamination of his psychological condition physiological condition and by concentrating on his physiological condition by concentrating the mind one second na just can you just close that window there is too much of noise coming in this also not able to auto rickshaws and all going is creating too much so and by concentrating the mind one can become free from all the sinful activities by restraining the senses one can free himself from material association 
I am meditating on the supreme personality of Godhead. One can become free from the three modes of material attachments. What happens when you do pranayam? You are supposed to focus on the breath. The most important thing in pranayam is focusing on the breath alone. The inhalation, exhalation or exhalation, inhalation and the kumbhaka that you maintain in between. Start, end, kumbhaka, middle, kumbhaka, begin like that. So you have to do those processes. You are very much focused in one thing that is the breath. You are concentrating on how the breath is moving in and out. So that way you can eradicate the contamination of the physiological condition. Physiology. Physiology is connected to this body, isn't it? See, we are not talking about the the spiritual condition. We are talking about first you have to override the body. The reason why this pranayama and all is uh, you know given so much of importance is because people are people can never overcome their bodies. The body is always going to be an impediment to the person who is very much in love with the body. That means you consider yourself the body, so you are always going to be, I am so and so, I am this, my head is aching, my leg is aching, I have got this disease, I have got that problem. When you do pranayam, all these problems are eliminated by means of prana. You are focusing on the breath only. So there is no pain in the body. The pain is eradicated by means of focusing on pranayam. Alright? So physiological conditions are overtaken. And then concentrating the mind, one can become free from all sinful activities. So once you have focused your senses onto the prana, the next thing to do is to eradicate the mind. How do you eradicate the mind? Eradication of the mind happens by means of meditation on the Lord. You have to focus your mind on some object. That object better be something worthwhile enough in your world. If you are going to focus on, let us say for example, you are focusing on making money, then you are going to be always feeling bad about it because you are anyway not going to make enough money. See, if you think of 100, you will get only 50 or maybe 20 or 30. If you are thinking in terms of 1000, then you may get get 500 or 400 or 300. Like, it's always going to be short. Let us say you have targeted 10,000 and you start getting 10,000. Immediately the next thing goes and I want 20. From 20 to 50, 50 to 100, it goes on and on and on. So that is always going to be a problem. So the idea is to free, to focus on the Lord. I think one of your, uh, this thing is over, on. Uh, mute it please. Okay, so then the next thing is, yeah, Padna, yeah, I think yours is on. Okay, just mute it. By restraining the senses, one can free oneself from material association. So, once you have focused on the divine, on the breath control, on the yoga sana, then you are going to eradicate this material desires of your world and once you get rid of these kind of material desires then meditating on Krishna one can become free from the three modes of material attachments when the mind is perfectly purified by this practice of yoga one should concentrate on the tip of the nose with half closed eyes and see the form of supreme personality of Godhead 
this is again a practice of meditation where we are supposed to focus on the tip of our nose and don't think that god is going to sit on tip of your nose no it's only of idea of focusing focusing or maybe if i should use it the other way around it is defocusing you see you, you have, your eyes are anyway going to become cockeyed i'm going to become like this imagine both the eyes they are coming towards the center means you are cockeyed so beyond that you can't see anything so you are defocused in the material world when you become defocused in the material world focusing on the inner will happen the supreme personality of godhead has a cheerful lotus like countenance with ruddy eyes like the interiors of a lotus and the swathi body like the petals of a blue lotus he bears a conch a discus a maze and in three of his hands his loins are covered by a shining cloth yellowish like the filament of a lotus on his breast he bears the mark of sri vatsa a curl of white hair the bull the brilliant cost of gem is suspended from his neck these are his his description of the lord the description of the lord is he has got a countenance which is is dark in color he's got countenance he has got very bright eyes then he has got three hands which are having this you know conch discus and mace he wears a dhoti type of a garment and uh, below his navel that is it's yellow in color and then on his breast his breast his chest is open there is a white hair the it's like that that's called srivatsa srivatsa s s formation all right and below that i mean on top of it he has got this particular kaustub gem he also wears around his neck a garland of attractive sylvan flowers and a swarm of bees intoxicated by the deli- delicious fragrance hum around the garland he is further superbly adorned with a pearl necklace a crown a pair of armlets bracelets and anklets a funny part is when you go to a temple and you stand outside the you know the fulwala you will find that there are so many bees over there and you wonder ki hey ek chup gaya to finished but strangely none of them will ever come near you they move from your garland to somebody else's garland and it goes on like that so you will find that the garland is having these bees and then a pearl necklace a crown a pair of armlets bracelets anklets his loins and hips encircled by a girdle he stands on the lotus of his devotee's heart he is most charming to look at and his serene aspect gladdens the eyes and soul of the devotee who beholds him now you will wonder why is this such a strange description of the lord given over here see unless and until we do not describe a particular thing you are still going to be confused so why not describe the lord in a particular way so that is the reason why you will find that there is a description of the lord which is given this you have to visualize on the core of your heart all right in the lotus of your heart in the chakra inside your heart that's a heart chakra so you visualize him over there that is the reason why all this description is given the lord is eternally very beautiful and he is worshipable by all the inhabitants of every planet he is ever youthful and always eager to bestow his blessings on his devotee the glory of the lord is always worth singing for his glories enhance the glories of his devotees one should therefore meditate upon the supreme personality of godhead upon his devotees and upon his devotees 
वन शुड मेडिटेट ऑन द इटर्नल फॉर्म ऑफ द लॉर्ड अंटिल द माइंड बिकम्स फिक्स तो द डिवोटीज हु आर द डिवोटीज द डिवोटीज आर द डियरेस्ट विच आर द सेजेज एंड ऋषिज एंड ऑल दोज थिंग्स ओके now if we are talking about krishna then we have to talk about the gopis and all all right so here we are talking about a particular form with four hands four hands is a form which is not krishna's form actually it is a form of the second aspect of krishna which is the created aspect thus always merged in devotional service the yogi visualizes the lord standing moving lying down or sitting within him for the past times of the supreme lord has always beautiful and attractive so whenever wherever that you are those who are the devotees of the lord should always focus on the form of the lord in the heart it may be sitting standing or doing whatever in fixing the mind on the eternal form of the lord the yogi should not take a collective view of all his limbs but should fix the mind on each individual limb of the lord now i don't know whether you recollect i had told you that first you have to start admiring a one particular aspect of the person You see, if you try to admire the whole person, then you will not be able to achieve the complete objective. So it is always expected that we start from one by one. So you maybe you look at his hair, maybe you look at his eyes and his nose and his lips and his so on and so forth. So that is the reason why he is saying that don't try to take all the four hands into your hand. Okay, it's going to cause you problems. So let us go one hand at a time. All right. The devotee should first concentrate his mind on the lotus feet, Lord's lotus feet, which are adorned with the mark of a thunderbolt, a goad, a banner, and a lotus. Now, if you turn the feet of the Lord, and if you see the feet of the Lord, you will find on the feet. These are the four signs that you will see. What are the thunderbolt? It will be like this S-shaped type of a. Okay, a goad. Goad is what? Something you pierce the elephant with. You know, like this, like this. Have you seen a goad? You know the Mahotri. He always carries that one R R shaped, the small R shaped. Hmm? So that is good. A banner. Banner is a pataka, a small flag like thing, and a lotus. These are the four marks that you can see on his feet. The splendor of the beautiful ruby nails resemble the orbit of the moon and dispel the thick gloom of one's heart. There are. You see, if you have seen the nails, no, the nails will always have one. crescent moon sometimes have you seen that crescent moon sometimes on your nails hmm? so that kind of that is basically where the you know flow of the uh, blood is there the the vessels are below that so you can see the moon on the fingers over there on the uh, nails the blessed lord shiva becomes all the more blessed by bearing on his head the holy waters of the ganga which has its source the, in the water that has washed the lotus feet of the lord The Lord's feet act like a thunderbolt hurled hurl to shatter the mountain of sin stored in the mind of the meditating devotee. One should therefore meditate on the lotus feet of the Lord for a long time. The yogi should fix in his heart the activities of Lakshmi, the goddess of fortune, who is worshipped by all demigods and is the mother of the supreme person Brahma. She is also to be found massaging in the legs and thighs in the transcendental Lord, very carefully serving him in this way. so i i hope you will remember i told you we are not discussing krishna over here we are discussing the created aspect of krishna so narayana narayana is having lakshmi at his feet so is visualization purpose krishna cannot be visualized by the way but you have to visualize his other forms so forms of krishna can be visuals 
but the form of original krishna that is the supreme divine consciousness is not possible to visualize because in the second divine unmanifest his form doesn't exist for anybody to be seen to actually visualize no there there are some okay <laughs> i will take back my words a little bit <laughs> next the yogi should fix his mind in meditation on the personality of godhead's thighs the storehouse of all energy the lord's thighs are whitish blue like the luster of the linseed flower and appear most graceful when the lord is carried on the shoulder of garuda also the yogi should contemplate his rounded hip which are encircled by the girdle that rests in the exquisite yellow silk cloth and extends down to his ankles the yogi should then meditate on the moon like navel of the center of his abdomen from the navel which is the foundation of the entire universe sprang the lotus stem containing all the different planetary systems the lotus is the residence of brahma the first created being in the same way the yogi should concentrate his mind on the lord's nipples which resemble a pair of most exquisite emerald and which appear whitish because of the rays of the milk white pearl necklace adorning his chest the yogi should then meditate on the chest of the supreme personality of godhead the abode of goddess mahalakshmi the lord's chest is the source of all the transcendental pleasures of the mind and full satisfaction for the eyes the yogi should then imprint on his mind the neck of the personality of godhead who is adorned by the entire universe the neck of the lord serves to enhance the beauty of the kaustubha gem which hangs on his chest the yogi should further meditate upon the lord's four arms which are the source of power of the demigods who control the various functions of material nature then the yogi should concentrate on the polished ornaments which were burnished by the mount mandara as it revoked revolved we should also duly contemplate on the lord's discus the sudarshan chakra which contains 1000 spokes and a dazzling luster as well as the conch which looks like a swan in his lotus like palm the yogi should med- meditate upon his club which is named kamudaki and is very dear to him the club smashes the demons who are always inimical soldiers and is smeared with their blood one should also concentrate on the nice garlands on the neck of the lord which is always surrounded by bumble bees and with their nice buzzing sound and one should meditate upon the pearl necklace on the lord's neck which is considered to represent the pure living entities who are always engaged in his service the yogi should then meditate on the lotus like countenance of the lord which presents his different forms in the world out of compassion for the anxious devotees his nose is prominent his crystal like cheeks are illuminated by the oscillation of the glittering alligator shaped earrings the yogi then meditates upon the beautiful face of the lord which is adorned with curly hair and decorated by lotus like eyes and dancing eyebrows a lotus surrounded by swathing swarming bees and a pair of swimming fish would be put to shame by its elegance the yogi should contem- contemplate with full devotion the compassionate glances frequently cast by the lord's eyes for they soothe the most powerful threefold agonies of the devotees threefold agonies adhyatmik adibhautik and all that we were doing that yesterday correct these glances accompanied by loving smiles are full of abundant grace the yogi should similarly meditate on the most benevolent smile of lord sri hari a sweet smile which for all those who bow to him dries away the ocean of tears caused by intense grief the yogi should meditate on the lord's arched eyebrows which are manifested by his internal potency in order to charm the sex god for the good of the sages with devotion steeped in love and affection the yogi should meditate within the core of his heart upon the laughter of lord vishnu 
The laughter of Vishnu is so captivating that it can be easily meditated upon. When the Supreme Lord is laughing, one can see his small teeth which is resembling jasmine birds, rendered rosy by the splendor of his lips. Once devoting his mind to this, the yogi should no longer desire to see anything else. By following this course, the yogi gradually develops pure love of for the Supreme Personality of Godhead Hari. In the course of his progress in devotional service, the hair on his body stands erect through excessive joy and he is constantly bathed in the stream of tears occasioned by intense love. Gradually even the mind which he used as a means to attract the Lord as one attracts a fish to the hook withdraws from material activity. So now he has finished the description of the Lord and now he has slowly moved on to another aspect that is what happens when you become the devotee of the Lord. So now these are external manifestations. First and foremost he says that when you have this excessive joy which comes out of devotion at that time the hair on the body stands erect oripilations as we call them you get oripilations on the body then he says your constantly tears are coming down rolling down your eyes why do they come there is no idea of knowing it's not that the tear glands somebody is gone and hit you or something like that no they happen because of the excessive love that is there for the Lord. When the mind is thus completely freed from all the material contamination and detached from material objectives, it is just like the flame of a lamp. At that time, the mind is actually dovetailed with that of the Supreme Lord and is experienced as one with Him because it is freed from the interactive flow of the material qualities. We'll just hold for some time, okay, because that oh something is going over here somebody is dead <laughs> meanwhile you can ask me some question by by the it will take me about two three minutes for that mayat to go लेकिन मैं होल्ड पे रखा हूँ इसीलिए उनको तो सुनने में नहीं आएगा ओके ऑल राइट सो वील स्टार्ट वन से वेन द माइंड इज दस कंप्लीटली फ्रीड फ्रॉम ऑल द मटीरियल कंटेमिनेशन एंड डिटैच फ्रॉम मटीरियल ऑब्जेक्टिव इट इज जस्ट लाइक द फ्लेम ऑफ अ लैम्प At that time the mind is actually dovetailed with that of the Supreme Lord and is experienced as one with Him because it is freed from the interactive flow of the material qualities. When all these things which was mentioned in this whole chapter that we are doing, going into pranayam, then yoga and so on and so forth and then focusing on the heart chakra with the Lord described in detail, all these things put together and then the devotional aspect rises. When the devotional aspect rises, the mind of the person is sublimated, it's completely destroyed. When that is happening, at that time the mind becomes doted. Finally the mind is at the feet of the Lord. But 
to do all these things the mind was required because see how do you have imagination the imagination will only come if your mind is very much there so the mind is a tool that has been given for the purpose of reaching the lord so the idea is we should use it for the purpose of reaching the lord and not for the purpose of going outward in the material world okay this situated in the highest transcendental stage the mind ceases from all material reaction and becomes situated in its own glory transcendental to all material conceptions of happiness and distress at that time the yogi realizes the truth of his relationship with the supreme personality of godhead he discovers that pleasure and pain as well as their interaction which he attributes to his own self are actually due to false ego which is a product of ignorance so only when you have transcended to that level can you imagine how much you have to actually do to reach this level when you have reached at that particular level you will find that your mind has been completely put to rest it is basically become very very silent and what has happened it is not bothered about the happiness and the distress outside see what is this happiness and the distress outside somebody praises us we are very happy somebody says something bad we are in distress we get good ranks we are happy we get fail marks we are not at all happy we are always sad so all this is yo yo you know it's going right left right left so all this is material contamination that is happening so you have crossed this and you have come to another point where you understand how are you related to the divine consciousness that's the lord your relationship to the lord you see yesterday i was describing the relationship to the lord when you are far away from the lord you will find that the lord is very tiny to see you see have you seen any mountain from far you will find that the mountain is very small when you go closer to the mountain what happens it starts becoming bigger and bigger and bigger so when you come closer to the lord you will find that the lord has become bigger now use the same words for coming closer to the lord so in your devotional service when you are becoming more and more closer to the lord you are going to become he is going to become bigger and bigger now if he is becoming bigger and bigger if you have visited all those big big statues of that i'm sure in bangalore also and in other places if you have seen those huge statues of hanuman ji or shiv ji what happens when you come closer to that which is the place you actually go to the first place that you go to is the feet of the lord isn't it so you are approaching the feet of the lord so that is the first thing that a devotee does he approaches the feet of the lord slowly he starts climbing upwards as his devotion grows and when the devotion grows he rests in the heart of the lord is the other way round the lord is resting in his heart that is why he can see the lord over there and he can see himself in the heart of the lord did you understand what i spoke so when you are looking at this great being in front of you you have reached his feet and then what do you do you put him in the core of your heart and when you go so deep in the devotional service at that time the yogi realizes the truth of the relationship with the supreme personality of godhead he discovers that the pleasure and pain and all these other reaction interactions 
which he has attributed to his own self. He's, you see, we are all attributing everything to our body, mind and senses. You got what I am saying? Everything in this world. If you have money, you are happy. If you don't have money, you are sad. If you have love in your life, you are happy. If you don't have love in your life, you are sad. If you have children, you are happy. If you don't have children, you are sad. It goes on and on and on. So many happy, sad, happy, sad. And all this happiness and sadness or that grief that we call it, all this appears because of interactions of all these mind, body, senses, so on and so forth. And he has attributed this to this body alone. The body is the self. Now, when all this is destroyed, he understands they are actually the false ego. Everything that I said is nothing but a false ego. The ego is the one which tells you, I am hurt, I am angry, I am sad, I am happy, I am this, I am that. And so with the same eyes, when you look at the world, you will say that this person makes me angry, this person makes me sad, this person makes me happy. So what is it that is actually making you happy? So you are attributing it to your body? That's the funniest part. This is exactly what he is trying to say. Everything is attributed to this small self. Small self is the body. That's what he is attributing it to. But it is nothing but false ego, which is the product of ignorance. So ignorance is the one which tells this person that I am sad, I am happy, I am good, I am bad, this is right, that is wrong. All this is there and all this is nothing but false ego. Got it? Because now he has achieved this real identity, the perfectly realized soul has no conception of how the material body is moving or acting. Just as an intoxicated person cannot understand whether or not he has a clothing on his body. Now I am sure you know you have seen the dead drunk people. They don't even know whether they are walking straight or they are walking right and left. Okay? They don't. <laughs> I'm sure you have seen. You know, they go like this, like this, swaying on the middle of the road. Sometimes they are falling in the ditch. Sometimes they are, yeah, they are sleeping in a gutter. They are sleeping in the gutter, but in their mind, they are thinking that they are sleeping on a very nice couch with beautiful bed and stuff like that. Actually, that is not the case. So, what happens to this person who is lost in the divine self? This person becomes exactly like a person who is intoxicated. He doesn't understand anything. Even though he is going right, left, right, left, like a, like the drunk person, that means in the material world, this person is enacting everything. Like a drunkard. He doesn't understand that he is doing it because his mind is lost in the Lord. The body of such a liberated yogi, along with the senses, is taken charge by the Supreme Personality of Godhead and its functions until his destined activities are finished. At such point in time, the Lord is very benevolent. He says, don't worry about what you are going to eat, how you are going to eat, how you are going to make money, how you are going to do this, how you are going to do that. Everything in the world is none of your business. I am there to take care of you. Why are you bothered? Why don't, if you have surrendered, if all these things that I mentioned in this chapter are done by the yogi, then the Lord has taken charge of him. I will read the line again. The body of such a liberated yogi, along with the senses, is taken charge 
by Krishna and its functions until its destined activities are finished. The liberated devotee being awake in his constitutional position and thus situated in the Samadhi, the highest perfectional stage of yoga does not accept the byproducts of the material body as his own. Thus he considers his bodily activity like that the activities of a body in a dream. So this person who has reached the state of divinity, that is reached the state of enlightenment, has surrendered himself to the divine. Such a type of a person who has done this, his body, whatever the body is doing, the body is eating, drinking, he may be staying with the family, he may be having a wife or a children or a husband or whatever. He may be having a house, a car, this, that, everything. All these activities that are there. He may be buying, you know, fruits or garlands or whatever the hell that he might be doing. All those are activities he can never attribute to his himself at all. The self is never the doer there. The body keeps on doing every activity in the material world. Alright? So he understands that the body is exactly enacting like a body in a dream. Because of the great affection for family and wealth, one accepts a son and some money as his own. And due to affection of the material body, one thinks that it is his. But actually as one can understand that his family and wealth are different from him, the liberated soul can understand that he and his body are not the same. So you will have to know this. In our material world, we think this is my son, this is my daughter, this is my husband, this is my wife. But for the one a yogi who is lost in the transcendental bliss of the Lord, what happens to this kind of a person? He is not at all concerned with all these things. He is enacting a part which is required of him. But actually, there is no such thing as a family to him. There is no wealth to him. There is nothing in this world. He is a liberated soul. And he knows that he and his body are not the same. He never accepts his body at all. The body is somebody else's and he is somebody else. Do you get the point? It is like putting a bottle of water in in a bottle which is labelled coke. It's a water which we have put in another bottle. Do you get the point? So the water inside cannot say that it is the coke. Do you get this? So this is exactly what happens to this person. The blazing fire is different from the flames, from the sparks and from the smoke, although all are intimately connected because they are born from the same blazing wood. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is known as Param Brahma, is the seer. He is different from the Jiva soul or individual living entity, who is combined with the senses, the five elements and the consciousness. So this yogi understands that the Jiva, that is the one who is an embodied one, is different than the Paramatma. Isn't it? Atma, Paramatma is one. Jiva is different. The Jivatma as we say there is a Jivatma in this particular body. It is not the same. Both are different. Everything is done by the Paramatma, but the Paramatma is not involved in the action. The body is the doer, so it takes on the crown of saying, I am the Jivatma. Got it? It's a false sense of ego. A yogi should see the same soul in all manifestations, for all there exists is a manifestation of different energies of the Supreme. Now this is something which need, you need to understand. Do you remember we have come to the heart of the Lord? The Lord is over there 
I have climbed, I'm standing at the feet and I'm looking at the Lord and I have taken the Lord in my heart. So I have pulled him in my heart, isn't it? Now, the Supreme Yogi, the Divine Yogi thinks otherwise. He thinks he has become so tiny and he has gone and become one in the heart of the Lord. Correct? Now, this yogi realizes that the whole universe is pervaded by the Lord. If this yogi realizes that the whole universe is pervaded by the Lord, where is his astitva? Where does he exist? He doesn't exist at all. You got the point? So he doesn't exist at all. So in his world, he is a non-entity. So he believes that the Lord is everything. If the Lord is everything, can he see individuals? No way, no chance at all. So you cannot say, so this yogi says, if there is a fan in front of him, he says that is the Lord. You get the point? If he says another individual in front of him, that is the Lord. That means, suppose you see a a very good person in front of you, who is a friend of yours, you will say, that is a Lord. Correct? But now you see an enemy in front of you, do you say that is a Lord? A normal human being says, oh, that is my enemy. Oh, that is the villain in the film. That is Amrish Puri. That is so and so. We keep on calling names. But the yogi of the highest order sees everything as the Lord alone. Got the point? Now, there is one differentiation which you need to understand. This yogi who has understood the divine Lord has become one with the Lord. You will say that there is a differentiation which happens. Okay? What is the differentiation? Why did Krishna ask Arjuna to kill somebody else? So there is a differentiation, isn't it? You see, the yogi will see everything as the Lord. But now we are saying that there is a small differentiation. He is not telling Arjuna to kill Yudhishthir. Correct? But he is telling Arjuna, you have to keep Dronacharya, you have to kill so and so, Shakuni and so on and so. Correct? So many things he said. Why is he saying that? You will understand that in this universe, there are certain things which have been created which are not right for the purpose of keeping them alive so he tells them to kill him now think about it from a very mundane perspective suppose there is a dog who is not a barking dog who is a very happy-go-lucky type of a dog who is coming and licking your feet you will pet him isn't it but if there is a ferocious dog will you want to go near him no remember the mind is there within you We are supposed to use the mind for the purpose of understanding, isn't it? Now the Lord is telling you that there is a ferocious dog, stay away from him. He is telling you, stay away from this ferocious dog. You don't put a scorpion in your pocket. A scorpion may bite you somewhere. 
So better not to put the scorpion in your pocket. But you will find children, you know, they play with all these toads and <laughs> frogs and all. You have seen, no? So they will take the frog and they will put it in the pocket. But the same if they put the scorpion, the scorpion is going to bite them. So we have always advised them, stay away from the scorpion. The scorpion dunk martha, na? So that is the reason why, understand, the Lord is the one, the differentiation has been made in this way. Some things which are acceptable, we can take them close. Some things that are non-acceptable, we have to stay away from those. So this is the divine knowledge as well. Remember, if everything is the Lord, the Lord has also created the demons, isn't it? You are not going to go and hug the demons and say, Tu mera dost hai. I'm sorry, the demon, <laughs> demon is going to kill you. So, yes, you can become friends with the, with the gods, the divine beings. But with the demons, you don't become friends. So, this is a kind of a discrimination which the God has kept for you. So, I hope you understand that this little discrepancy you should always note. Okay. In this way, the devotee shall see all the living entities without distinction. This is realization of the Supreme Soul. So, in that way, you will understand that there is a realization of the Supreme Soul. Now, again, you may say, you know, how can you talk like this? If everything is the Lord. I'm sorry. You don't go and uh, do something bad. You don't go enter inside a small intestine or a large intestine of the Lord. You want to be in the heart of the Lord. You don't, you don't want to go near his, uh, you know, all the excretory organs. You don't want to know. That will be very dirty. You will say, oh no, no, that's not good. So, I think you got the point. So, there are certain things which you accept, certain things you don't accept. And incidentally, that is called discrimination also. Alright? As fire is exhibited in different forms of wood, so under different conditions of the mode of material nature, the pure spirit soul manifests itself in different bodies. Okay? Just like the fire is manifested inside one, you know, one stick. In the same way, the body has got different, this soul is manifested in different kinds of bodies. Thus the yogi can be the self-realized position after conquering the insurmountable spell of Maya who presents herself as both the cause and effect of this material manifestation and is therefore very difficult to understand. Why is Maya so difficult to understand? Because we think Maya is a very easy thing to actually understand. Think about it like this. When you meet an enemy on the road, you want to avoid him. I am talking about material beings, okay? A material being walks, when he is walking on the road, he looks at his friend walking in front and so he says, Ye mera enemy hai. You know why? Every time when I look at him, he is going to ask me for money. <laughs> so that becomes an enemy, isn't it? So what do you do? You avoid that person. Alright. Now, the same thing, when you come back home, your son or your daughter says, Dad, Give me thousand bucks and you remove the thousand bucks and you give. Why is it that the person who is asking you on the road you have not given and the person at home you have given? Do you understand this difference? See, you will understand. The person on the road, you consider yourself as his enemy or he as your enemy. Whereas, 
when you go home and your son asks you for the same thousand bucks you remove it and give that is called the sense of ownership or what is called as the false ego the false ego believes i have a son i have a daughter i have a husband i have a wife so where are you seeing the lord this is not called discrimination you know what is the word in this case it's called hypocrisy so you have become the biggest hypocrite in the world on one side you may say i am a spiritual person but if the person coming on the road has asked you for 1000 bucks i say no to him and the same you give it to your child when the your son is asking it i want to go and watch a movie with all my friends and go to mcdonalds and enjoy myself over there you are willing to give that 1000 bucks to be blown away but that person must have asked that money so that he wants to feed his family how ridiculous can this be so do you understand the material being is always making judgments and any person who is making judgments is never in spiritual because you are making judgments at even given point in time but the one who is in spiritual sees the lord in everything and that is the reason why he doesn't make a distinction in this world so i i hope you got this does the yogi can be self realized position after conquering the insurmountable spell of maya so i just showed you how maya enacts the role the maya came in the form of your friend and asked you for 1000 bucks and you said no and the same maya came and stood in front of you as your son and said give me 1000 rupees and you succumb to it but you do not call that son of yours as maya whereas you call that other friend of yours who asked you for the 1000 rupees as maya did you understand this is how the whole thing differs and this is the way in which maya tricks a person and therefore she is very very difficult to understand so this brings us to the end of the chapter thus ends the chapter third canto 28 chapter of bhagavatam shrimad bhagavatam entitled lord kapila's instructions on the execution of devotional service so we i think we have some time so we will do the chapter 29 unless and until you have some questions if you have questions you can ask me otherwise i'll continue is that okay i can continue yes no yes okay explanation of devotional service by lord kapil this is chapter 29 now he is going to talk to his mother about how this devotional service can be explained to her you know devahuti inquired my dear lord you have already very scientifically described the symptoms of total material nature and the characteristic of the spirit according to the sankhya system of philosophy now i shall request you to explain the path of devotional service which is the ultimate end of all philosophical systems devahuti continued my dear lord please also describe in detail both for me and for people in general the continual process of birth and death for by hearing of such calamities we may become detached from the activities of the material world i'm sure you know when these questions are being raised you must have one idea about devahuti devahuti has the mundane knowledge 
You see, she, she won't ask these questions if a person doesn't even have that little knowledge. So she has risen to the level of the sattvic knowledge. But the crystallization of the knowledge has not happened in her world. So she is asking her guru, who is her son by the way, Kapila Muni, can you please describe this kind of devotional service to the Lord? So did you get this? So mundane knowledge, material worldly knowledge, about how the sattvic knowledge as we call it, about how to do this, we know. But has it crystallized and become final? No. For which you have to meet the Guru and the Guru then translates this entire thing and he tells you with experience how this whole thing works. So she says, please also describe eternal time which is the representation of your form and by whose influence people in general engage in the performance of pious activities. Now, there was one thing which you should understand. Kapila Muni has never exhibited till just now his transcendental nature. Has he exhibited? No. He has not done any miracles. He has not done some jadu and all those kind of things. Has he done anything? No. He doesn't do anything. Yet, what is it that is telling her that he is a divine being? You know what is telling her? Hmm? Yeah. The faith has come how? The faith has come because her husband, before he passed away, Brahmaji, they had come to her and they had told her that Krishna is going to be born in your family to you. But thinking that Krishna has born, how does that work? So the thing which just now we heard, faith is important. Just having faith is not sufficient. Does that transcendental being tell you everything about the Lord? Is the divine knowledge imposed in that person? You see, this question was asked to me some years ago that this particular lady said, my daughter is Krishna herself. And I asked her a question point blank at that point in time. This happened about three and a half years ago. I said, I'm sorry, you don't seem to understand. Everybody is Krishna in this world. Does she tell you anything about the divine? Does she have the fount of that knowledge that we are talking about? Does she talk all the time about the divine Lord and the glories and how things are leading you out of this world? No. She is pointing you towards the Sai Baba. She said, that is Baba over there. Yes. That is Mahavishnu sleeping over there. Yes. We will pray to him. Yet, this particular person insisted. So I told this, this lady, I said, do you pray to your daughter? No. You are carrying her in your arms. Okay? Do you even do the Krishna Janmashtami festival with this person over there? No. Why? Because you are that modern family. You don't believe in all those things. But you believe that she is Krishna. Please understand. Kapila Muni started 
talking about the divine right from the beginning. The knowledge about Vedas, Shastras and every other thing flows out of that person without any effort. There is no effort, the knowledge just flows and flows and flows and flows and flows. What you are actually ascribing to as Krishna being born in the family, every woman on this planet earth thinks that their child is Krishna. Is there any person in this planet earth, if you ask your own mother, she will say, Oh, mere ghar mein Krishna paida ho gaya. Which woman doesn't say that? Every woman says that. So, that is not how it has to be seen. And that is the reason why when Devahuti is sitting in front of her young son, incidentally Kapila Muni is just around 13-14 years old. He is not old, the way you look at it. So she is asking him another question. That question is related to time. He is just 13 years old. So she is asking him a question about time as well. So she says, tell me how this devotional service is done. Now that you have described me Sankhya Yoga and every other yoga possible, now can you please describe to me these other things. So please also describe the eternal time, which is the representation of your form and by whose influence people in general engage in the performance of the pious activities. My dear Lord, you are just like the sun. For you eliminate the darkness of the conditional life of the living entities. Because their eyes of knowledge are not open, they are sleeping eternally in the darkness without your shelter. And therefore, they are falsely engaged in the action and reaction of their material activities and they appear to be fatigued. So, just like you, you are like the sun. She is telling her son that you are like the sun who is illumining the conditioned life of all the living entities. That means any person who is coming under your influence, you are removing their ignorance. The light, the sun, means removing the ignorance. Because their eyes of knowledge are not open, people in this material world, their eyes of knowledge are not open, they are closed. They are always living in the darkness of ignorance. They are sleeping eternally in that darkness without your shelter. Without your shelter. Now here she is used a very beautiful words. What do you mean by without your shelter? So that doesn't that mean that there are lots of people in this world who are not under the influence of the divine? The divine is within them yet they do not know about the divine. They are ignorant about the divine. They don't even have any clue. So they think that everything happens by magic, by science by technology. These are called ignorant people. And therefore they are falsely engaged in the action and the reaction of their material activities. And they appear fatigued. Why do they appear fatigued? Because at the end of the day, these are the same people who are searching in the material world. Where can I find happiness? Where can I find peace? Where can I find this? And where can I find that? Those who have seen some of the recent movies, you will find that there are people who have engaged in very, very difficult activities. Like, they keep on drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking. 
I don't know for what. I don't know whether I was talking to y'all or no, but I, I think I was discussing with somebody over here. And this is an activity which people in Australia do. Okay. Uh, I think I've spoken to Brito, I think. Yeah. It's called it's called by some name. What is that name? Fapping, is it? No. <laughs> so this particular active ah, necking. Neck. N-E-K, neck. Now this is a like a competition, you know. What they do is they put the bottle and they put it like this on their on their mouth and you have to finish the entire bottle in one gulp no stopping in the middle after you finish that there is another bottle kept over there you put that against your mouth and finish that as well no stopping even for a breath and then you take shots one two three four shots and then maybe you take drug it's not it and after that you take some more and then you end up with something else how much can a person degrade himself? Doesn't the person understand that this is going to cause some very big problem in his world? But he does it. So you will find that in the material world, knowledge exists, yet it is covered by ignorance. So the person goes for extreme pleasures over there. And that is why he is fatigued. He doesn't understand what is happiness. He is searching for happiness even in this form. Think about it. If you Google neck, N-E-K, okay, you will understand that this is a very dangerous activity which is performed. So, Sri Maitreya said, O best among the Kurus, the great sage Kapila, moved by the great compassion and pleased by the words of his glorious mother, spoke as follows. Lord Kapila, Krishna, replied, O noble lady, there are multifarious paths of devotional service in terms of the different qualities of the executor. So now he is going to describe the different types of qualities of the one who is going to do this devotional service. Devotional service executed by a person who is envious, proud, violent and angry and who is separatist is considered to be the mode of darkness. So there are lots of people in this material world who offer devotional service and how do they offer devotional service? They are very proud. Marriage is a coin. I can give God one kilo gold. I can put thousands of rupees in the hundi. Such kind of a person. He is very violent. What does he do? He performs tasks like, you know, he will work on, the, work on hot coals. Have you seen that? They will pierce their body with stings. Angry. He is very angry. He does everything in anger. He is a separatist. He, he tells, uh, no, that is not from my community. This is not from this. I am a Brahmana. This person is a Shudra. And on the other side, they will say, oh, that fellow is a Christian. I am a Hindu of the highest order. What? That person is a Muslim. He is a Yavan. What do you mean by Yavan? There is no Yavan in this world. Yavan. You are one. That is what it means. So, but this person is a separatist. He separates the whole thing out. This person who does this kind of devotional service is in the mode of darkness. The worship of deities in the temple by the separatists with a motive of material enjoyment, fame and opulence is devotion in the mode of passion. So this is another one who says, so this person goes to every person, every temple in the vicinity and every other place which is not even heard of. 
in the jungles, in the mountains and all other places, the person keeps on visiting these temples after temples after temples or, you know, places of worship. With what, what is the idea behind that? I want material enjoyment. I want this and I want that. There's a big laundry list like we talked about yesterday. Fame. I want to become the most famous person on earth. Or opulence. I want so much of money and grandeur and glory. And this is the second kind of nature which is called the mode of passion. Second type. Rajasik in nature. When a devotee worships the Supreme Personality of Godhead and offers the result of his activities in order to free himself from the inner beauties of the fruitive activities, his devotion is of the mode of goodness. Then there is a third kind of a person. This person, what he does? He just does service for the sake of service. He gets a lot of things, but he offers it back to the world. So such a kind of a person, even if he gets money, power or whatever that is, without asking, this person distributes it among everybody. He gives it away. (coughs) What does he do? He distributes it. That means in the form of donations, in the form of charity, so on and so forth. This is sattvic kind of devotional service. The manifestation of unadulterated devotion service is exhibited when one's mind is at once attracted to hearing the transcendental name and qualities of Krishna who is residing in everyone's heart. Just as the water of the Ganga flows naturally down towards the ocean, such devotional ecstasy, uninterrupted by any material condition, flows towards the Supreme Lord. This is the person who is always lost in the bhajan, kirtan, the name of the Lord, japa and all those kind of things. Such a type of a person, he is completely immersed in the name of the Lord. A pure devotee does not accept any kind of liberation. Salokya, Sarthi, Samipya, Sarupya, Ekatva, even though they are offered by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Just now I described this entire thing. Did I not describe this thing to you? Huh? I said to you, this person looks at the Lord and says, I am close to Him. I am near Him. I am sitting in the heart. You see, you see the whole kind of devotional service over here? So this is what is Ekatva. I have become one with the Lord. Did you understand? Sarupya. The oneness with his body and mind is there. Samipya. Closeness. I am very close to him. These are the kind of things which the person believes. By attaining the highest platform of devotional service, as I have explained, one can overcome the influence of the three modes of the material nature and be situated in the transcendental stage as is the Lord. A devotee must execute his prescribed duties which are glorious without material profit. Without excessive violence, one should regularly perform one's devotional activities. Here in this line he is telling you very clearly, whatever the duties that are prescribed to you, which is called? What is, what is it called? Swadharma. Swadharma. Yes. You have to do your Swadharma. A devotee must execute his prescribed duties. Whatever is your prescribed duties, your Swadharma has to be done. But it has to be done without profit. If you are keeping an eye on the profit and saying that I want to make billions of dollars and all that and I want to make millions, I want to make thousands, your idea is that you are focused on that. No, don't focus on that. Your job is to just do your Swadharma. How, when, where, why is none of your concern. And the second one is 
without excessive violence don't get violent one should regularly perform one's devotional activities what are the devotional activities i think we have done an entire chapter on devotional activities but still the devotee should regularly see my statues in the temple touch the lotus feet offer worshipable paraphernalia and prayers these are the devotional services that you can do he should see in the spirit of renunciation from the mode of goodness and see every living entity as spiritual so just like putting pictures on the walls you know you have put pictures on your in your house like if you come to my room you will find so many pictures of gods over here so you have to worship those kind of idols you can worship those idols you can bring pictures of the god you can go to a temple sit in front of the lord over there pray to him offer flowers to him agarbatti all those things you know those are basically things that you can do but you will say i was doing it earlier also sir earlier you were going with a laundry list of it okay today you are not supposed to go with a laundry list you just are supposed to worship no nothing no attachment of any kind with him okay and then see everything in in this world all the people who are joining you together in this service are spiritual in nature the pure devotee we will do a few more lines and then we will stop the pure devotee should execute devotional service by giving the greatest respect to the spiritual master and the acharyas he should be compassionate to the poor and make friendship with the person who are his equal but all his activities should be executed under regulations and with the control of the senses so the devotional service is by giving respect to the spiritual master the spiritual master needs to be respected you cannot treat him like dirt you cannot call him by names acharyas those who are the great acharyas shankaracharya type of acharya he was an acharya a teacher as well of course so you have to respect you can't say hey shankara kidhar gaya sorry you can't talk like this kind of a language <laughs> adi shankaracharya sir so <laughs> you have to have respect for them so the they the lord respects them as well you better also respect them because they are the highest devotee of the lord also you should be compassionate to the poor the poor people are there you be compassionate to them make friendship with the people of who are there equal to you you cannot go and make friendship with uh, sonia gandhi okay sorry that is not equal to you your equal could be people who are equal to you in your company or near you vicinity and all that so such kind of people you can make friendship with who are your equal and activities which are regulated and control of senses regulating in control of senses whatever activities that you need to do a devotee should always try to hear about spiritual matters and should always utilize his time in chanting the holy name of the lord his behavior should always be straightforward and simple and although he is not envious but friendly to everyone he should avoid the company of persons who are not spiritually advanced this is keeping company of the holy isn't that what is meant over here those who are on the path of the spiritual keep company of those kind of people you should be straight forward and simple straight forward and simple don't have hypocritical nature and never be envious of anybody if somebody has 10 rupees and you have 1 rupee don't be envious that person has 10 rupees don't it's not correct so and be friends with everybody you're supposed to be friends with everybody you can't have enemies in the world stay away from those people which are very very destructive for you like i told you na scorpion you cannot put him in your in your pant he will bite you somewhere hmm. when one is fully satisfied with all these transcendental attributes and the consciousness is thus completely purified he is immediately attracted simply by hearing the name of my name and hearing my transcendental qualities so the moment you hear the name of the lord just imagine think about it 
many a times you will find that those who are completely lost in the in this devotional aspect the name the name krishna even if you hear it somewhere immediately it takes you oh like that you know in, in a world of ecstasy as the chariot of the air carries an aroma of his source and immediately catches the sense of smell similarly one who is constantly engaged in devotional service in krishna consciousness can catch the supreme soul who is equally present everywhere so such a type of a person just like you can smell some scent or some you know of uh, flower smells and things like that in the same way you can catch this disease called krishna consciousness wherever you go okay i am present in every living entity as the super soul if someone neglects or disregards that super soul everywhere and engages himself in the worship of the deity in the temple that is simply an imitation so here i was just explaining to you about this lady who came to me and said there is krishna in my child i am telling you once again the super soul at the paramatma is in everybody is in everybody but it is covered covered by maya maya is covering it so don't don't go in that direction if someone neglects or disregards this super soul everywhere and engages himself in the worship of the deity what does this mean a person forgets krishna and tries to go after run after some deity of some kind please understand that person is doing something wrong that is simply an imitation one who worships the deity of godhead in the temple but does not know the supreme lord as paramatma is situated in every living entity's heart must be in ignorance and is compared to one who offers oblations into ashes so such kind of a person who is not having any regard for krishna but is having regard for every other thing in this material world is not worthy enough to be with krishna okay so finally kitna hai ye it's a long chapter so i shall do it up to 25 and end one who offers me respect this is envious of the bodies of others and is therefore a separatist never attains peace of mind because of the inimical behavior towards other living entities you may offer respect to me you may say oh i respect krishna 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 and when you look at another person you say oh villain 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 sorry boss you can't do that you can't call every other person villain you are not seeing krishna in that person also you are not supposed to do that so one who offers me respect but is envious of the bodies of others never be envious of another person don't never never in the world try to be envious of another being that person is called a separatist will never attain peace in mind person will always be disturbed in the mind because of the inimical behavior towards other living entities inimical behavior the behavior is like an enemy you treat that person like enemy that is called inimical behavior if such a kind of a person is taking my name and yet behaving like this in the material world that person is sure to fall my dear mother even if he worships with proper rituals and paraphernalia a person who is ignorant of my presence in all living entities never pleases me by the worship of my deities in the temples so if you are not able to see me in any of this thing that person is not dearer to me so this kind of a person is ignorant about my presence performing prescribed duties 
one should visit the worship the deity of the supreme personality of godhead until one realizes my presence in his own heart and in the heart of other living entities as well so such a type of a person has to realize me in his heart alone first and then in the heart of every other person in the world so we will stop over here and next time we will take up from 26 onwards all right so are there any questions